0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Where are the protesters? Where are the outraged marchers? Where is there the community angst? about a situation that happens all too often. I mean, let's face it, every time there is a situation where you have somebody who is injured at the hands of the police, Within, oh, a matter of minutes, it seems, word of that has gotten out on Facebook and you have people, even if they don't know the facts and circumstances, it doesn't matter. People are showing up and they're protesting and they're getting themselves on television, even without any knowledge of the facts or circumstances. Well, that's all well and good. I appreciate it. But where is the outrage for stuff that happens on a much more regular basis? And apparently, at least among the the community, it it ends up being crickets. Here's the story. Teen shot killed in Milwaukee. No arrests. Milwaukee police are investigating the shooting death of a 16-year-old boy found near 50th and Burleigh on Wednesday night, May 5th, around 10 p.m. Investigators later determined the shooting happened about two miles away, near 68th and Fond du Lac. All right, so apparently, you know, what happened is police... Find the body of this 16-year-old kid, 50th and Burleigh, late Wednesday night. Early on in the investigation, though, they they think, okay, this isn't where it happened. Um, Police say that what actually happened is the kid was shot and killed on 68th and Fond du Lac, and somebody apparently took his body and, and dumped it at this other location. Um, this is the second fatal shooting involving a teenage boy in Milwaukee in, in a matter of days. Last Sunday, 15 year old boy was shot near 37th and Marion. In both cases, th- there's no arrests that have been made. In both cases, you have people that obviously know what happened, but at least as of at least the start of the show, based on the information I'm being told, nobody has come forward and given information. So you've got a 15-year-old kid who, who shot on Sunday, You've got a 16-year-old kid who shot on Wednesday, killed, body dumped at another location. And, you know, And what do you hear crickets? Where, Where are the protests? Where is the outrage? Where are the 100, 200, 300, 400 people taking to the streets, demanding that, all right, violence in these various communities end, because I think we would all agree that it is unacceptable that you have 15 and 16-year-old kids who are losing their lives, two in just a matter of a couple days, and yet, yeah, if you turn on the TV news, you'll see a little bit about the story, but nobody in the community apparently coming forward and cooperating with authorities. I mean, how much of this stuff, where is the outrage over things like this? Uh, It's a rhetorical question, I concede. All right. Let's get started. Bayview Speedway Gas Station. Now this is reported on the website Urban Milwaukee, which is a one of the local websites that covers stuff particularly in the city of Milwaukee. All right, let me let me share the story with you and then I want to discuss what I think is a real interesting reaction. Here's what uh, Urban Milwaukee reports. The Speedway Gas Station and Convenience Store at the corner of South Howe Avenue and East Oklahoma Avenue was getting robbed so frequently earlier this year that employees were turning would-be thieves away because of a lack of cash. Yes, I I did not read that story incorrectly. Investigation revealed that a subject walked into the station and demanded money while tapping her waist, implying she had a weapon, reads a police report regarding a January 2nd incident that occurred at 5.38 a.m. When the clerk told her they had just been robbed and didn't have any money to give her, the subject left. The store had been robbed at 12.16 a.m. So the store gets robbed at gunpoint 12.16 in the morning, Five hours later, somebody different comes in to rob the place and they have to send her away because we we can't give you any money. We, We were just we were just robbed five hours ago. From December 22nd through January 2nd, police responded to six reported thefts. It was part of a string of 22 police visits that occurred between July 16th of last year and February 11th of this year. 14 of the visits took place in 2021, so that would be 14 visits in the space of January 1st to February 11th. The police department, this is where it gets interesting, designated the gas station located at 369 East Oklahoma Avenue as a nuisance property on January 8th. On February 11th, the department found the business was operating without an active license and had it temporarily shuttered. Um, An abatement plan was put into place that included the addition of security guards and the ordering of bulletproof glass. Um, the police sergeant says they've been responsive to all our phone calls and, and emails. Um, the area alder woman, Marina Dmitrievic, says this has been a stressful situation. She said at least one employee and other neighbors have been complaining since December. Since December, I'm disappointed. The issue has become so frequently discussed in the neighborhood Facebook group that on February 15th, someone posted petition to rename this group Speedway Neighborhood Watch. Other posts in the group reference robberies that don't show up in the police report, indicating that not every robbery may have been reported. All right. Um, so you, you get the idea that this is a gas station, which is just being robbed constantly. You have people coming into the point that you got that they're, they're being robbed so many times and so frequently, they don't even have money there. Now, there, there's two ways you can go with this particular story. One way, I guess, would be to say, oh, we got to shut down this business. This is obviously, it's it's a bad business. We need to have them put in security guards. We need to have them put in bulletproof glass. That's one way you could go. The other way you could go would be to say, what is going on in this neighborhood that you have crime that is so out of control that a business that is trying to provide services to the community, a a gas station, a convenience store, is it their fault that they are being robbed so much that now you need to continue that, consider them to be a public nuisance. Um, one of the aldermen, Speedway is not unique. It might be the management that is the issue. Quite frankly, Speedway, the location has utilized the resources of the sixth Milwaukee police district way too much. They have abused the privilege. They have to know how to behave, have to know how to operate in the community. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Have we lost our minds? You, You look at the Milwaukee Common Council. They're looking at a business that is open and operates. It provides a service for the community. And the aldermen appear to think it is their fault that they are getting robbed on a regular basis. Well, it's your fault. You must be doing something. Well, yeah, they're, they're doing something. They're, they're open. <laughs> I guess they're, they're open. And yes, sometimes they're open late into the evening because, well, gee, you've got second and third shift workers who might need to stop and they might need to put gas in their car and they might want to come in and they get a soda or whatever. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. All right. Uh, their attorney says, look, Speedway is an employer and it does provide services that possibly others do not provide. Um, the imposition of bulletproof glass is disheartening, but we thought it's a good measure, but it's not an inexpensive measure. But here, here's the bottom line of this. The common council is saying it's the fault of the business that they are apparently being robbed so much that the police have to come there all the time. And apparently what they're looking at is um, trying to re- reduce the hours or eliminate the hours that the speedway can be open, make them put on bulletproof glass. If you wonder why why businesses don't want to locate in places like Milwaukee, that this is the story. You open up and you are a victim you are constantly being robbed and the common council apparently considers it to be your problem it's well we're going to make you put in bulletproof glass we're going to make you restrict the numbers i have a better idea how about we be more aggressive catch the people that are robbing this place arrest them charge them put them in jail 855-616-1620 we discuss back
0: to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620.
1: 8556161620 that's the Atlantic mortgage talk and text line see when it comes to business development in high crime areas it's not a which came first the chicken or the egg thing it's it's not it's a if crime is out of control businesses are not going to operate in particular areas if you're an investor if i have X amount of dollars, and I want to open a convenience store, all right? I've got all sorts of choices where I can put the convenience store. I'm not going to put it in an area where my employees are going to be robbed every six hours. It's just not worth it. And apparently in the city of Milwaukee, if you do, you locate in an area that's a high crime area, and you get robbed all the time. You get designated as a nuisance business because there's so many criminals that are preying on you. How screwed up is that? Allison in Kenosha. Allison, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Allison.
2: I I just think it's totally ridiculous that they're going to try and blame the And if the business was closed down, they would turn around and complain that there aren't enough businesses in the area. <laughs> well, <laughs> so there's no way to win that. Well, well, it's no. Ridiculous. Well, it. it the city. Them behind
1: them. Well, it it is. I mean, Al- Allison, thanks for the call. Yeah, I mean, it it is it is ridiculous. Look, instead of saying okay, it's a nuisance business and we have problems, you know, here's here's what you should really do. Like the, the, the common council should be behind, like for example, going to the police department and saying, here's maybe what we should do. Maybe we should put like an undercover officer. Just let's let's do a stakeout, you know, or, or in, in the back of this store if it's being robbed that much. My guess is you can make a whole bunch of arrests in the course of a of a few weeks. Or whatever, or maybe you add some extra police patrols because isn't the interest of the community in getting the robbers off the street? Because, all right, let's say you let's say you shut down the, the speedway and what they've ended up doing is they've limited its hours. They say it can't be open between 12 at night and five in the morning. But let's say you, you shut down the speedway. All right, so the, the bad guys, they, they don't have the speedway to go rob anymore. Well, what do you think they're going to do? Well, I'll tell you, they're just going to find some other target of opportunity to rob in the neighborhood. Shouldn't the emphasis be, gee, we've got an area that crime is out of control in. We are outraged about that. Let's catch the people that are walking in with guns and holding up the place, because if the speedway's not there, there's going to be some other place they're going to hold up. Jeremy on the south side. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hello.
3: Yeah, hi. How are you doing today?
1: I'm well, thank you. All right, is is this a nuisance property because they get robbed so much?
3: Um, I I can see where the city is going after them. It's not entirely Speedway's fault, but I go to Speedway quite often because I deliver to the journal in the morning. Uh I frequent Speedway all the time. Almost every Speedway that you go to, there's only one employee working on third shift. Um, The other thing is, is, how many Speedways do you see that are open 24 hours that don't have protective glass? To keep their employees safe if they were to put in that glass and also put on an extra employee i think it would eliminate some of those robberies now um and speed and and i met a lot of people that i've befriended that are upset they don't like working third shift because they do get robbed because there's no protection for them and there's no second employee to help you know hit that panic button so for you know for whatever reason um but um, and then if you think about it, how many 24-hour gas stations do you go to other than Speedway that don't have protective glass?
1: Um, I guess I – I mean, I, I don't go in that often, so I don't have a, a sense of it. No, thanks, I mean, look, I and, – and they're going to put in bullet – my understanding is that they, they've ordered bulletproof glass. And, and I, I think that's fine. And to answer your other question, I don't know, I don't know what you would – you could not pay me enough at this point in time in my life to work at 3 o'clock in the morning at, at a Speedway bulletproof glass or not in a high-crime area. but And I understand that there's there's sort of abatement things that maybe the business could do, but, but should the business have to? I, and uh, should the business have to do that? I mean, at some point in time, is it the business's fault? Now, I understand when you have, let's say you, you can find a, a tavern that's a nuisance tavern. You can find a tavern that doesn't do a good job of keeping out underage drinkers. You can do it. find a tavern that over-serves the customers and it leads to fights. So I get the idea of nuisance, and I do think that there's things that business owners can be held responsible for what goes on on the premises. But but this isn't this isn't that situation. It's not people that are overserved. This business is a victim of out of control crime in a particular neighborhood, and they're being made to feel that they are the ones responsible for it. And like I say, I, I mean I think it's probably a good idea, especially here. You know, to have bulletproof glass and your idea of like, let's add other employees. I I don't know what the cost of that is. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's security guards and all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, if it's if you're going to operate that business in a high crime area. But let's look at the reality. You start to build up the costs of that. and, And sooner or later. From the perspective of the owner, you get to a point where you say, I, I just, it's not worth it. You know, we'll, we'll either have to close down or it's just not worth spending that extra money. But the bigger point is, is it the business's fault? And the Common Council seems to think it is. It's the business's fault because they keep getting held up and heaven forbid there's so many people coming in to rob the store at gunpoint that the police have to keep responding yeah w- would it be would it be a great situation if the cops didn't have to come of of course but it's not the convenience store that is causing the problem it is the criminals in the neighborhood and why why can't we confront that situation Why can't the Common Council be outraged over the fact that you have so much crime in the area that it's getting to the point that this store gets robbed at gunpoint so many times that they have to throw up their hands and say, we, we, we just got robbed again. We don't have any money. Sorry. Our policy is I'd be glad to give you the money so you don't have to pull out your gun and shoot me, but I don't have any money left because somebody else came in and robbed me six hours earlier. Jeff, this is like blaming someone for having a too nice of car and having it stolen. Yeah. It's your, it's your fault that you parked that brand-new 2021 whatever on on the street in this particular area. It's your fault. How dare you drive that car and leave it on the street? Um, Jeff, they should arm the employee. Once everybody finds out, they'll quit robbing it. Well, that's an interesting thing. Jeff, the city is ridiculous. Between the lack of enforcement of reckless driving the insane level of violence. I I think we need to rebuild the fire and police commission and start from the top down. Now this is the common council that were saying these crazy things because they were dealing with a license renewal for the business. Jeff, there is a reason why you will not find quick strip stores in most of Milwaukee County. Hmm. Um, Jeff, I guess it's my fault for leaving a power tool on the tailgate of my truck. It's not the thief's fault for climbing over the fence to try to, quote, borrow it. Jeff, you hit the nail on the head. The Common Council, Milwaukee City is taking the easy way out. That's all there is to it. They do it over and over and over Again, Jeff, and then people in the city and in the Common Council wonder why there are no grocery stores, etc., etc., in some parts of the city. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. The truth of the matter is, you know, when... It's not a chicken and the egg thing when it comes to crime. If you can't keep crime under control, well, you're going to be in a situation where businesses aren't going to want to locate and businesses aren't going to want to be blamed and said, well, it, it's your fault that you're getting robbed too much. And again, I understand there can be nuisance businesses where you got all sorts of bad stuff going on. But just being open and, and inviting, having, being open to the public and being robbed a lot, that doesn't mean to me that you're a nuisance business.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So very glad to have you with us. I just don't see how it is going to happen. Gru, do you know what occurs? Well, you know what is supposed to happen in 11 weeks? I have no idea. No idea? The Summer Olympics. Eleven weeks, the Summer Olympics, July twenty third to August eighth. Now the Summer Olympics were supposed to be held last summer, obviously because of the pandemic. They they were put they were delayed. So they're still supposed to start. They're going to be in Japan. Uh lots lots of stuff in Tokyo, the Tokyo Olympics. Now it's already been announced that family members and fans from outside the country are not going to be allowed so can you imagine that your 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 son or daughter has trained their entire life to participate in you know whatever the event is swimming whatever the event is and you're now told that regardless of whether you've been vaccinated or not you are not going to be allowed to come and watch but the problem is more acute than that because japan Japan is, is, has, does not have a handle on, on COVID-19. Um, last uh, Friday, a week ago, Japan extended the state of emergency in Tokyo and other regions until the end of May in order to contain a surge of COVID-19 cases. So, I mean, again, 11 weeks from now, the Summer Olympics are supposed to start. So for at least the next three or four weeks, at least, Japan is in a major league lockdown under the extended state of emergency. People are are told not to go out for non-essential matters, especially after 8 p.m. You're not allowed to travel outside your prefecture, which is kind of like you're outside your immediate city. Karaoke parlors are closed. Restaurants are not allowed to serve alcohol fines of up to like $2,750 if you do that. So, I mean, and again, if you look at it, the numbers are pretty clear. In early March, the company, the country recorded about 1,000 daily new cases, 1,000 a day. Now they're recording about 6,000 a day. So what you have is people aren't vaccinated. You have the numbers that are increasing geometrically. And what they're seeing is a number of variants that are spreading in the population, including 26 cases of the strain first detected in India. Um, Authorities in Tokyo say that in four out of five cases found in the city, the infected person neither traveled abroad nor had close contact with someone who had. And just like at the start of this, we, we were concerned about flattening the curve. They um, are not flattening the curve when it comes to Japan. Now I bring this point up again solely because h- how in the world, how in the world can you stage an Olympics un- under these particular circumstances? You know, Rose Gray, my friend from Fox World Travel, w- was on with Steve Scafidi earlier today, and, and she's talking about how. They're very, very optimistic that parts of the world are, are going to, you know, reopen. We, we've got a river cruise scheduled for early September in Normandy that was put off from a year ago, and, and at least as it stands now, it, it's it's still on, and we've got a large number of listeners that are, I think, you know, have still committed to go last year who are still on board to go. But, I mean, it's all, again, contingent on things continuing to improve in certain countries. But at least now, here we are in early May. So in less than three months, you're going to be having athletes from all around the world come to Tokyo. And you got Tokyo, which is essentially locked down to the point that you wonder if there's going to be any spectators at all, which raises perhaps the larger question of, of why? I mean, if it's, if it's not safe for people to, go out of their immediate area. If it's not safe for people to be out on the streets after 8 o'clock, if restaurants can't serve alcohol, if you can't have the karaoke parlors that are open, how in the world can you safely bring thousands and thousands of athletes from all over the world and put them in close living condition quarters like the the olympic village how in the world if the if COVID 19 is so out of control in japan that you have to have all these restrictions how can you how can you stage an olympics just don't see it just don't get it and a lot of people in japan are asking that question as well they're saying look we've got all these restrictions here how can we host something like this Maybe, maybe it's just better to kind of put an asterisk on the 2020-2021 summer games and say, you know, we'll we'll see you later. All right, let us switch gears. Uh, I meant to mention this. This happened the other day. Since uh, last September, the, the Trump administration put a national moratorium on evictions for people who were behind in their rent. And, and It was because of COVID and because of all the financial problems that had occurred and things like that, and people losing their jobs. So the rule was you can't evict people for payment of rent. Now, the asterisk that goes with that is landlords were still able to evict people if. If they violated other terms and conditions of their lease um, you 've destroyed your apartment, for example you know you're you're dealing drugs out of your apartment you know if you violate other conditions, but simply non payment of your of your rent that was a you weren 't able to evict people. As long as the, the renter filed a, a notice, there's this form that fills out that says that they're, they're suffering economic hardship. But it, it's one of those things where you, you can essentially define economic har- economic hardship as a very, very broad term. It's not like anybody does any thorough investigation to determine, are you really doing it? So there is an estimate now, let me see, nationwide um, unpaid rent as a result of this, nationwide could exceed... billion. The Census Bureau did a survey last month. They believe that one in seven renters are now behind in their payments. That's three times the typical rate. And people get further and further behind as time goes on. And it's one of these deals where if you... Okay, let's say your rent is $1,000 a month, just for the sake of argument. And and you haven't paid, let's say you haven't paid since September. So September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Okay, that, that's nine months. And if it's $1,000 a month, you owe now owe $9,000. And what is the likelihood that if you haven't been able to pay over those last several months, what is the likelihood that you're going to be able to catch up? And the answer is, well, it, there's probably no real realistic chance. so the landlord's going to ultimately have to take the, the hit. There is money that is available that people can try to apply for to try to get rent assistance, but maybe you get it, maybe you don't, and that's not going to make up the full amount of the loss. So what happened is earlier this week, a federal judge struck down. The, the Trump moratorium. This was put in by Donald Trump. The federal, the national eviction moratorium. The judge, the federal judge, struck it down. Said, "Look, the government doesn't have the authority to do this. You can't force private businesses." In this case, a private landlord, you can't tell them you don't have a right to, you know, collect your rent. Because a lot of landlords are out there, they're saying, well, this is all well and good, but the way I pay my mortgage and the way I pay the utility bills and the way I pay, you know, for my properties, my investment income, I, I need the rent to do it. And if I've got a good chunk of tenants who aren't paying and in all likelihood aren't going to be able to pay, I got to move on. I got to get rid of them. The only leverage I have, if I choose to do it, is to evict people. All right. Eight, um, our number eight five five six one six one six twenty that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line obviously landlords it's in the landlord's interest not to evict people the landlord wants to get paid right that's that's the at the end of the day that's what you want it's kind of like the utility company doesn't want to have to turn off people's gas and, and electricity what they they want to get paid for it but when you have people that have fallen hopelessly behind in their rent and there's now a realization that you're not going to get paid do you have to continue to throw good money after bad, should landlords be able to now evict people for failure to pay rent? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. And, and my answer is is, is yeah. I, I think unless the federal government was going to pay the, the rent of people. I mean, I think the landlords have been the ones that have gotten the short end of this stick. And I understand sometimes people think of the landlords as these giant corporations that are rolling in dough, but that's not the reality. A lot of landlords are people that have made a decision. Hey, I'm going to invest in that four family on the south side instead of. I don't know, taking the money and putting it in the stock market. Well, all right, they, they've got to make mortgage payments. They use the rent to make mortgage payments. They use it to pay their utility bills. All right, should landlords be able to evict people for nonpayment? 855-616-1620.
0: We discuss. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, I've never understood how the government has the right to compel landlords, private business, to subsidize people's rent. The government should be paying the tenants' rent if the government wants to keep the tenants' house. That's from Barry. Well, and and, and there is, as part of all the different COVID relief packages that are out there, there's there's money that is available for rent assistance that, that's there. But to me, it's it's the problem of the the tenant. It's not the problem of the landlord. Like I said, the last thing, it is a difficult process to try to evict somebody. There's no question about it. And landlords don't want to do it. That's the matter of last resort. You don't want to throw people out. You want to get paid. But at some point in time... You, you You depend on that money, or at least the vast majority of landlords depend on that money i 'll tell you what the bigger picture here is too. if you want to talk about issues with long term housing especially affordable housing you, you have to just like we were discussing in the first half hour of the program where if you 're going to blame if a business locates in a high crime area and then they get robbed, you blame the business well okay what 's the effect going to be? Businesses are going to stop investing in those high crime areas they 're just not going to open stores. It's the same thing when it comes true to to housing. Keep in mind that it's an investment. Housing, as a general rule, is an investment. You have an individual, or maybe it's a group of people, or maybe it's a corporation, but they're making the decision, hey, we've got X amount of money to spend, and we are going to invest in in building some new housing, or we're gonna buy that four family, or whatever we're going to do. And the way we're gonna do it is we're going to, maybe we're gonna take out loans, to do it, maybe we're going to say, "Gee, we're going to put that money into housing instead of putting that money into uh, into the stock market, where we could get a, a particular return." Well, if you end up in a situation where you're losing money on on those buildings and you're not getting your rent paid, sooner or later, probably sooner, the, the people say, "Well, why why would I invest in housing?" Why would I do this if I'm not going to be able to get paid? And if the government's going to come in and tell me that I can't do anything to collect on this money that I'm legitimately owed? Well, sooner or later, you just simply say, "Well, why do I need the aggravation of buying the, this four-family or a couple of the, these buildings? Why do I need that aggravation? I'm just going to take the money and I'm going to put it in a Vanguard mutual fund, and you know, I'm, I'm going to make four or five percent on it." Eight five five six one six one six twenty, Jerry in Milwaukee. You're in WTMJ.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi I got a quick question for you. As a landlord and being that I have to make mortgage payments and I have to pay taxes monthly here in Milwaukee, what does the city do as far as giving me a credit for not paying my taxes?
1: (laughs) I wouldn't be holding my breath on that one, Jerry, you know. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, would, like, I wouldn't
1: be holding, you mean, you mean when those property tax bills come out for your rental property or properties, when the property tax bills come out in December and you don't have the money to pay them because your tenants haven't been paying their rent? I'm not sure how sympathetic the city of Milwaukee is going to be. At least I wouldn't count on their sympathy. They're going to say, hey, you owe us this money. We've got all these services we have to provide, which is the same exactly. thing, it's, which is why yeah, you're the <laughs> landlord. That's why you've got stuff you got to pay for. That's why the have to pay So, Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, thank, thanks. For, no, I mean, it, it's a it, look. And, and I, I understand by doing this topic and there are people, oh, well, you're, you're going to like toss people out and where are they going to go? I, I understand that's the flip side of this. But it's. I think it's the responsibility of the tenants to start making arrangements. There, There's a ton of money that's around and that's the, that, you know, we have the, both the federal government and the state governments have been throwing money at these situations to provide rental assistance and things of the like. I think, you know, you as the tenant have the burden to, you know, do that. Well, here, here's another text. Jeff, there's no way on God's green earth people couldn't afford the rent if you're unemployed. Your unemployment tech gives you $300 on top of the normal unemployment a week. It used to be $600 on top of that, and you got three stimulus checks per person, I think that people, you know, could, in fact, pay their rent. Well, that's, that is the other thing that's out there. And I, I mean, I've made this argument about the utilities for for years and years in Wisconsin. As we all know, there, there's a moratorium. You can't turn off people's utilities from what, November 1st through April 15th. So, and, and I get it. The idea is you don't want people being, you know, living in places that don't have heat or don't have electricity in the winter. So I understand why we do that. There is a subset of people that are out there, though, who know it and they game the system. So uh, again, if it's, if it's January, say, and you're 60 days behind on your cell phone, they're going to shut off your cell phone service. If it's January and you're 60 days behind on your car payment, they're going to come take your car. It's going to be repossessed. If it's January and you're 60 days behind on, I don't know, your your, your cable TV bill, they're going to cut you off. That, that's just how they operate. But be, that's just how the companies operate because they just don't continue, you know, letting you do get away with stuff for free. But utilities, you can't do that. So there's a certain percentage of people who say, well, all right, why Why pay my utility bill? I'd rather pay the cell phone bill. I'd rather pay the cable TV bill. I'd rather pay this so I don't get that shut off. And I'll, I'll worry about the utility b- company in, in April. And a lot of times, by that time, it, it's too late. Well, this is the same sort of premise that, that's going on here. You know, the landlord's haven't been able to evict people. All the person has to do is say, well, I've got some financial hardship. There's no real inquiry as to, you know, do could you really pay the bill? What are you doing with, with money? How much money do you have? How much money do you have coming in? Could you really pay the rent? It's just, you don't have to pay the rent. And the landlords, there's, there's no way they end up recovering um, this. Jeff, I wonder how many landlords have been foreclosed upon because they can't make their payments. Was there any protection for the Landlords from that? Um, no, uh, I mean, there, well, there are, there are, there are. If, depending if you get, if you have federal, if you have a federal loan, there might be some protection and might be some delays. But the bottom line is, you're still going to owe that money, and that's money that you're not going to be able to get. Um, Jeff. I, I let's see. Um, I wanted to point out the obvious: is that the people who cannot pay are going to um, uh, rip those places in part if they are evicted. In September of last year, my landlord found himself in that same predicament, and that was before he evicted the tenant. They basically destroyed the place and just vacated the premises with no notice. Well, it, it again, you you can under the law, if. Let's say you have a tenant that destroys the property. You can still you can evict them for that. You just can't evict them for non-payment of rent. But this idea that, well, you know, we're just going to carry on, and you can end up um you you can end up just carrying people month after month after month, and it's not going to have an economic impact on you. I, I think that that's just naive, Jeff. Some of the stimulus payments should have been designated. It could only be used to pay past rent or or mortgages. Now, home loan mortgages are a little bit different because if you don't make your payment to the bank, what can happen is that that payment's not gonna go away. You'll still have the ability, you're still gonna have that added onto your loan. But being a landlord is different because you don't have any guarantees. Tenant can simply say, okay, now it's a point where I owe you, in my example, I owe you $9,000. bucks. i am not going to ever be able to pay that back rent. So tell you what, see you later. As soon as the moratorium ends, they decide to leave anyways and go start fresh somewhere else, leaving the landlord holding the bag. All right, back with lots more in just a couple minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Mike Spalding, before you leave, all right, just in time for
1: Mother's Day, the Free the Nipple campaign <laughs> is back in a in a, in a big way. Are you familiar with this? I am. Oh, okay. All right. Good. See, there 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 is. Um, well, the, the, this is this is back in the news because Ocean City, Maryland. And my my parents were my my dad was from Baltimore, my mom was from um, like the Annapolis area. And when I was a kid, Ocean City, Maryland, was an area that we would it was a, it's a vacation thing, boardwalk and mm-hmm. beach and stuff like that. And and you would go there. It's not it's not as big as Atlantic City, but it's actually nicer than Atlantic City. Well, um, Ocean City, Maryland, has has a rule which says that women are not allowed to go topless in Ocean City. And the idea being that they think it's uh, – the, what the mayor says is the city's interest is in preserving and protecting the character of the city, the moral sensibilities of its residents, and its, its visitors. And so they, they have these rules against it. There are a number of women – who think that it is discriminatory and unfair that if guys can go without tops on, that they should not be able to go with tops on. And now the matters, uh, it's, it's up, it's been challenged in court, and it's in front of uh, one of the Maryland Court of Appeals. Did you know that um, there's a Court of Appeals ruling that in six states, Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, Wyoming New Mexico, Kansas, and Oklahoma, um, it, is, it is essentially legal for women to go topless anywhere they choose to. Because again, it discriminates if you if you let men go topless, like just wa- walking around down the sh- sh- street. Yeah, yeah. Are, yeah, do you ever find it weird when people are shirtless in places like you you normally aren't shirtless, like in the summer, like a summer fest situation or a state fair? Well, I, I you see. I, I firmly believe that there's a reason why God made T-shirts. And I, I mean, I've, this is a couple of this is a sort of the, the Wagner's rules of life that that actually some of it does come from State Fair because we'll be sitting in the in the fishbowl at State Fair and you'll you'll look and there'll be a guy wandering around without his shirt and you'll sit there and you think, huh. Did you look in a mirror this morning and say, "Boy, I look really good"? <laughs> you know, I mean, look, they're, they're, it's it's like one of my rules are that you know you, you shouldn't wear a muscle shirt unless you have muscles. Okay, that that that's just kind of the rule, and and there is a reason God made shirts for. Okay, Brad Pitt might be able to get away with it. Most of us, it's not necessarily a, a great look. It's not a great look at the beach, but it's certainly not a great look on the midway at State Fair. No, absolutely not. It rarely. Yeah, I think your point is correct. Rarely does a sleeveless shirt look good. I got a uh, me wearing. A basketball jersey yeah. like Giannis would. We don't look the same, right? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's not a good look. And I think for I think for most women, um, well, I think for most women, the the idea of here I'm, I'm going to go wander around State Fair topless, or I'm going to go wander around the the boardwalk in Ocean City, or whatever. It's I think most women would say, yeah, no, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the 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 best look. That's just my my thinking about
2: this. Yeah, they're generally more. S- self-aware i think then well you
1: you would i mean that's like a like i say a couple of my rules of life wagner's rule of life number seven is that you know you god made shirts for a reason and that you you know you shouldn't wear muscle shirts if you don't have (laughs) muscles um the 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 companion piece for that for for women men too but a lot of times for women is that just because they make it in your size doesn't mean you should buy it (laughs) (laughs) You know? <laughs> no, that's absolutely true well, well, that is true well i mean it is it's it's like okay you know like orange spandex in, in size 15 it, you know it is is a general rule it, it's probably it's probably not the best way to go and i say that as as somebody who on a regular basis sees my my closet stuff in my closet get get thrown out as my wife will go and say not a good look jeff (laughs) not a good look jeff not a good we're running out of stuff that could be a good look but that's it but in any event okay just in time for mother's day this and just in time for summer this fight is coming back as more and more women are militantly arguing that um they they should be able to walk around the streets topless what can you say
2: Uh, you know it's been a long pandemic (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> um jeff women topless seriously i've got no problem with that um well okay right um you go ladies that's from jim in milwaukee all right that's just kind of the that's sort of the lighter touch that's out there all right the numbers out today the the new jobless numbers came out today and actually it's amazing that the stock market's kind of not in the tank but there's a reason for that the experts were predicting that there would be close to 1 million new jobs which were created in the month of April. The, the idea was going to be the, the economy was going to come roaring back, and you, you'd have all these jobs, and it, it, would, it would take off. Um, that's, that's not how it, it turned out. Um, hiring slowed in the U.S. The U.S. added only 266,000 jobs, which was only about 25 percent of the number of jobs that they they predicted. Now, this is creating an issue because a lot of businesses, they can't find people to, to work. And, and this has been a, it's a huge problem. A lot of businesses shut down during the pandemic and they laid off workers, or they furloughed workers. And now that we're starting to come out of the pandemic, they, they can't get workers that are back. You can, my guess is, if you drive through any community around our area, you're going to see business after business after business that says that, that we're hiring. And they're, they're not paying minimum wage jobs. You know, they're they're, they're offering, you know, for a, a fast food job, you know, they're offering 12, 13 bucks an hour. It's not like they're, they're not paying wages. They're offering higher wages and sometimes starting bonuses or bonuses if you're there after three months or whatever that, that are much larger than they did before the pandemic. But they're not getting people to, to come in and to work. And the question is, is why? Now, just to give you an an understanding of of the wage issue, Walmart, which is the largest private sector employer in the country, announced um, two months ago that their average wage, their average wage is now $15 an hour. Amazon said in April that more than 500,000 of their employees would see pay increases of somewhere between 50 cents and three bucks an hour. Costco lifted their starting their starting wage to 16 bucks an hour. And yet all these places aren't able to find people. Well, there's a couple theories as to why this is one theory. Is that people still don't work, want to work because of COVID? They're still concerned to go, you know, out there. I guess that's that's one of the issues. Um, second issue is well, maybe people are concerned about childcare and things like that. But the biggest factor, at least in the minds of many people, and mine as well, is that for a lot of these relatively low low paying jobs, the reality is you still are disincentivized to work. Now here's the deal. Um, more than 16.1 million people received unemployment benefits the week that ended two weeks ago. That includes gig workers, like that's Uber drivers and stuff, and self-employed who would typically not be eligible for these payments. Under relief bills passed by Congress, those receiving jobless, jobless benefits get 300 bucks a week, it used to be 600, but now it's 300, on top of regular state benefits, which average, it's different, you know, for different people, but they average $318 a week, according to the Labor Department. That means, for not working, you get 618 bucks, on average, the 300 bucks from the feds, average $318 a week from the state. Now here's where it gets interesting. This means that the average unemployment recipient earns better than the equivalent of working full time at 15 bucks an hour. So even at 15 bucks an hour, let's put aside benefits for a moment, but just from a pure wage perspective, you know, you can work at a job that pays $15 an hour, but you're still better off better off collecting unemployment plus the federal benefit. These enhanced benefits are available until September for a maximum of nearly 18 months, which is normally three times longer than most states allow. So a lot of people are looking at this and saying, well, well, no wonder you can't find people to do these quote-unquote lower-paying jobs, although even at 15 bucks an hour, the average unemployment recipient, by the time you add in the federal benefits, makes more than you would if you were working. And again, you have to put aside the issue of benefits. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I don't see this as a as a hiring problem. I mean, it's a hiring problem from the perspective of employers, but I think what you're going to see is you're going to continue to see these unemployment numbers be at this level. You're going to continue to see businesses struggle to find people probably at least until September, because once the enhanced benefits go away, well, then there's going to be incentive to go to work. If it's like, hey, I've run out of my unemployment benefits, or now I'm only getting 300 bucks instead of $618, all right, that's the incentive to go back to work. But have we, in our effort to try to take care of people, have we disincentivized going to work? And is that a good thing?
0: 855-616-1620, we discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: I'll tell you a true story. Um, Yesterday, my my wife was looking, went out to a place that she has patronized in the past. She wanted to buy some plants. Went out, went out to a greenhouse, and it it wasn't one of the, the bigger greenhouses around here. But it's a place that she'd gone to for years, and and she goes, and the greenhouse is closed. And, you know, she ended up like talking to a couple of people. They, they, they weren't, they weren't selling plants this year. They were, they were doing something else, but they, they didn't have their greenhouse operation open. And she said, well, what's going on? And the woman that runs the greenhouse said, we, we can't find people. We cannot, we were, we've been looking, you know, this is our busy time. It's, it's very labor intensive. You know, we, we pay a, a good wage, but we can't get people who are willing to work. So we just made the decision, well, okay, this year we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna sell plants on a retail sort of level. They've got other. Sorts of businesses because they couldn't find the people to do it, and and once you start to look at the numbers, this is what you see, and this is why you see only I think a quarter million jobs create instead of a million, because I think for a lot of these jobs, especially the jobs, I'm not talking about a job that pays like seventy five or hundred thousand dollars a year, but the jobs that are paying fifteen bucks an, an hour, for example. As these numbers break down, with the average unemployment payment plus you add in the three hundred dollar federal stipend, the extra benefit that's in its existence till September, you make more money not working than you do at fifteen bucks an hour. So why are people why are people going to go back to work? And the answer is lots and lots of them aren't. Let's talk to Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're in WTMJ.
2: Hi, Jeff. Thanks Brian. for taking my call. Sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, I own a small business. Um, it's we repair wheels on cars and do customization work, and uh, thriving, thankfully. But the uh, it's amazing right now. I cannot get people. We're trying to hire a second shift due to business, and I can't get I can't even get people to apply. And I'm starting at 15 an hour. I'm I'm putting 15 to 20 based on experience, sure. and can't even get people to apply. You know, <laughs> we got a we got a guy that we terminated recently who was making 17 an hour. And I'm getting, you know, the statements from unemployment, he's making more money than even at 17 an hour. So your 15 baseline, I think, is it might be a little light. I think it's more like you got to be making 17 or 18. Wow. To, you, know, wow. you know, it's it's crazy. And wow. plus, there's food stamp program, or right? Whatever right, Badger Care, right, Badger is.
1: Care, and all the other stuff that's out there. It's all that form of assistance that's there. So there's really, look, look. I, I understand for for some people who you know want to make it a career or something. But if it's if it's just a job to someone, I get it. Why why come to work and why actually have to work for eight hours a day if you can make as much or more by sitting at home and watching TV? I, I get it. I just think it's bad for this country,
2: or, or even a little less. You know what I mean? If, it, it might be a couple bucks less on right. unemployment, but for two dollars an hour or whatever it is, they're still going to want to sit in front of the TV, I would think.
1: Oh, yeah, e- exactly. Uh, now, now, what's going to happen, of course, Brian, is that once once the gravy train stops in September, assuming it's not continued at that point in time, I think it's going to force some people to, to finally start thinking about going to work. But that doesn't help you for the next several months.
2: Exactly, and I'm 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 thinking it's not going to happen. I don't
1: think they're going to stop it. I really don't. I don't think Biden's going to stop it. Well, that's right. No, no, not Yeah, no, it is. No, thanks for, you, you. You could be right, but this is look. When they first a year ago, when they when COVID first hit, and you suddenly had this big kick in the butt to the job market, I I, I didn't oppose the the unemployment. Benefit the, the added unemployment benefit because that really was the pandemic. But but let's face it now those payments have created a disincentive for a lot of people to go back to work. And I mean I think the, these numbers are right. I'm using the average, which said that you know the average unemployment benefit you make you make more by not working than you do by working at 15 bucks an hour. Well, Brian is saying in his situation it, it translates to 17 bucks an hour. Mark in Appleton, Mark, you're on WTMJ.
2: Uh, Good afternoon, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I've been seeing this, actually, for several years. I also own small business, and I had uh, people in my employment that were on uh, government benefits, badger care, food share, so on and so forth. Every time I would uh, give them a raise, they'd show up one less day uh, a month because they knew how much money they could make. Right. But uh, that's not the point that I called and gave your producer. I told him that you're also... Not mentioning that the first ten thousand dollars of that unemployment is uh, tax exempt. So if you went to work and you earned that money, yeah, you're paying taxes. Yep, income tax. Whereas this is free money.
1: We have free money. No, thanks for I'm sorry that, that was a heavy sigh. Free money. Jeff Lowe's in Manitowoc had an open hiring event recently. They had no one. No one apply. They give full time benefits for part time workers to include four hundred one k investments and stock options. Yet they cannot find employees. And you know, Lowe's, Home Depot, Menards um, were making a killing last year, and they continue to do so this year. Your last caller is right regarding the fifteen dollar wage. It doesn't entice. It doesn't entice. You know, workers, Jeff, drive around the city, tell all those panhandlers on the corner of Mayfair and North about all the job openings or, you know, um, off a Capitol Drive when you get off the freeway. Yeah, I mean, there's jobs that are out there. Jeff, I really believe benefits are being intentionally extended by politicians in an attempt to get the private sector to drastically increase wages. Well, I at some point in time, you get to a point where you, you just can't increase wages enough to attract People. Um, Jeff, companies shouldn't hire people after the aid stops. Then you'll see people in a real panic. Well, the the companies need people. Um, Jeff, when we first shut down for COVID, I offered to stay home, um, mandatory for one of us in our department, because my coworker was a single mom. She decided to stay home because she not only was making more, but lived in government-subsidized housing, and if she's unemployed, they wouldn't charge her rent. So we've created this whole situation where where people... It's in their interest not to work. Jeff, construction and trades are begging for people to come to work in southeastern Wisconsin. These are 20 to $30 an hour jobs, and we can't find anyone. Many have, have gotten used to not working and living off the government. They will continue to do that until um, they are not able to anymore. I think it's a sad situation. Jeff, our system has definitely disincentivized people to go back to work. And the part that is the most ridiculous to me is that they did away with all the job search job training programs that used to be a requirement for unemployment benefits well that's true to an extent um uh jeff september 30th can't come soon enough i've worked the entire pandemic and i understand i'm fortunate in that regard with that said many people i know are not working because of the added 300 bucks a week it's not a good thing and it's impacting businesses and the economy i'd like to be i'd like to believe able-bodied folks would want to get out there and work but the government has made it too easy for them not to absolutely especially if in a situation where it, it's it's a job that you don't necessarily want to do. I mean, I, I've been blessed my entire life. I've been in professions, and, and I, I loved what I, I, I've done. But, I mean, if I was in some job that I, I didn't like, and some, like, mind-numbingly important job, but something that I found to be incredibly mind-numbingly boring or, or physical labor or whatever. And you said to me, Jeff, you know, we're, we're going to pay you the same or slightly less to sit at home and watch TV. Well, I understand exactly why people are doing it, but doesn't somebody have to do those jobs?
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Crew producing the show today and always. Do you think the Packers players like Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, yeah. As a person, I think he's. I think he's very. Uh, I the think players. he's held
0: in high regard.
1: Do you like even with the, the stuff like where he calls out the receivers and stuff, and you know somebody doesn't run the right route, and he like shows them up and stuff like that? You don't think that bothers people?
2: Well, if a receiver is not running the right route, they're not really doing their job. It doesn't put him or them in a place of okay to so, succeed. All so, all right, yeah.
1: okay, so you think well. If you read Forbes magazine, uh, at least one player has a different perspective on this. Um, Here's the story in Forbes. Aaron Rodgers has never been the easiest person to get along with. From showing up his wide receivers on the field to taking passive-aggressive comments at others, including his coaches, through the media, Rodgers has ruffled his share of feathers inside his own locker room. Now, one current Green Bay Packer is taking a shot at Rodgers for his feud with the team. Now, by the way, I, I think all this anonymous stuff is BS. I mean, I think if you... If you have an issue with somebody and you want to go public with that, I I think you should man up or woman up. I don't mean to be sexist in that. And and if you want to say something like I'm about to quote to you, I I think you should come forward and stand up and and identify yourself with it. I think I, I think just like. Some of the the stuff through anonymous sources is on, on both sides is bad. I mean, I think if you're going to call somebody out, you you should you should fess up to it. I think Aaron Rodgers should fess up to this stuff. If this is how he feels, we'll stand by it. And if you're going to rip Aaron Rodgers, I think you should do it publicly. But anyways, Roger. The article continues. Rodgers has said he'll never play for Green Bay again. The peeved quarterback has been furious with the organization since they drafted Jordan Love in 2020 to be his eventual replacement. Uh, in a story at golongtd.com written by Tyler Dunn, who used to be a, a reporter of for one of the major papers, the, the one current Packer says Rogers' behavior shouldn't be a great surprise. Aaron is an intelligent, trolling, petty, And then he uses a 12-letter word that I cannot say on the radio. The teammate, who asked to remain anonymous because the Packers still employ him, told Dunn, he's going to get the last laugh. He's going to make you look blanking stupid for disrespecting him. As a front office, why haven't you anticipated this? Why are you getting blindsided? I'm not saying Aaron is evil, but this is like a criminal mastermind plan. One former Packers front office member also told Dunn that he was certain Rodgers will be traded or will retire. Put it this way, they'd have to fire everybody, the source told Dunn. He's dug in. They will have to make him the freaking owner of the team. The sense I get is the dude just wants to, just wants control. So, you know, you, you've, you've got that going on, and, and it, it's not going to end well. I, I think that that's probably pretty clear about this. But one of the things I, I have said all along, I, I understand that Tom Brady left the New England Patriots, landed in a situation in Tampa Bay, and at the age of like 42 or 43, whatever he is, led them to the Super Bowl. And, and that's, that's a great story, but it is the exception. Because one of the things that happens in professional sports is that your butt does not age like fine wine. That, that, that's just the reality. And there is a point for every athlete where you, you, you drop off. Your, your skills begin to drop off. And, and sometimes it's a slow decline. But a lot of times it, it's like kind of falling off a cliff. Aaron Rodgers had a deserved MVP season last year. But, for example, just to think about that last game with Tampa, there were opportunities that 10 years ago Aaron Rodgers would have run. He would have tried to run for that that touchdown um, in that, that final series of downs when they had the ball. He would have tried to run for the touchdown and probably would have gotten in. Well, okay, it's 10 years later, he, he doesn't do that. And that's because, again, he doesn't have the same mobility. I'm not saying he's not mobile, I'm not saying he's a great player, but, but he's not the same player as he was 10 years ago. And, and what you see is a lot of these athletes tend to hang on and hang on and hang on. And, and it almost never ends well, which is one of the reasons why, I mean, look, he's 37, he's going to be 38 this year. I've made the point that if, if he wants out, and assuming the Packers can get a a market value deal for him you know let him be somebody else's problem and and maybe he's going to go on to have a couple you know more great years but at the same time it's just as possible that boom you know you can you can hit that wall and at 37 or 38 there's not that many quarterbacks that are still playing in the NFL now I was thinking about this when I saw the story yesterday Gru you are a baseball fan I know Albert Pujols and if Brewers fans will remember, Albert Pujols played eleven years for the St. Louis Cardinals, and was arguably maybe during that, that eleven year period maybe the best hitter in baseball. Would that be unfair? No, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, during, during the eleven years for the Cardinals, just an incredible player. Just used to he used to kill the Brewers. <laughs> I can remember that. So um, eleven years ago, after eleven years with the with the Cardinals, he signs an enormous free agent contract a 10-year 240 million dollar contract with the california angels 10 years and and at the time he was in his early 30s and the idea was okay we're, we're going to albert pools is going to go on 10 more years and he's going to lead california to you know the world series and stuff well okay over the course of the last 10 years California has made the playoffs once and hasn't won a playoff game with, with Albert Pujols, and he's he's in his last year of his two hundred forty million dollar contract. And if you haven't seen the news, what what happened was yesterday California cutting. They they just Pujols was hitting, well, let's see, he was hitting like one ninety or something like that. Had played in a handful of games, and and they wanted to move on. They, they he just he wasn't pulling his weight anymore, and he wanted to be an everyday player and California apparently made the decision that you you know you you don't have it anymore at least for us we we don't see you being an everyday player. You're not hitting enough. We we want to move on. And you know, Pujols was unhappy with that. He still views himself as an everyday player. Didn't want to just be the designated hitter. Just didn't want to be a part time player. And so the, ultimately, they've released him. So now he's he's a free agent essentially. If if somebody doesn't claim him, he'll be able to sign wherever he wants. Some people are saying, well, maybe the Brewers should try to sign him. I I don't know. He's 41 years old. His his batting average. When he joined California, his career batting average was like 328, and now it's dropped down to like 298. Still still a great career. Look, at a Hall of Fame career, don't get me wrong, but it's been clear over the last several years that his skills have atrophied. Now, I'm not – I mean, obviously, he has a talent to, to be a Major League Baseball player, which is what most of us don't have, but he's clearly stayed at the dance way too long. And that's, that's just been the case of the last, you know, several years. The legacy of Albert Pujols would have been so much greater if three or four years ago, he would have recognized, hey, I'm not the player that I was. And, you know, I've made all this money, you know, maybe it's time to move on. But instead, that's not the case. And he appears he's, he's going to try to hang on. And my guess is some team somewhere will will, will pick him up and and, and and maybe maybe he'll hit 220 or whatever. But he's not. The player, because that's just what happens. You know, that there's that inevitable tick, tick, ticking of of the clock. And I think it's so interesting because so many, so many athletes just just don't hear that and just that they can't, they can't give it up and they continue to play and play and play after they are are shells of their former self. And I can think of so many different players in various sports, whether it's basketball or football or, or baseball, who just boxing is a classic example of that. You know, people who, I mean, Muhammad Ali, arguably the greatest or one of the very greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. I can remember his last. Last ten fights, it, it was just cringeworthy because you remember this guy who was great in his prime, who is just getting you know knocked around by the, these clearly substandard or inferior fighters because he's kind of lost it. All right? Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I, I think it is absolutely tragic to, and I, I understand there's money, there's the appeal of this, but there's so many athletes that I just think stay. Way too long, you know. After their their sell by date is expired, they they just can't give it up, and they they hurt their, they hurt their legacy because that's what a lot of people remember. They don't remember the great Albert Pujols, you know, who's hitting like three forty, three fifty for the St Louis Cardinals and knocking in a hundred runs and hitting four hundred home runs or whatever. It, they remember okay, the the guy that was batting like one ninety two. And, you know, had lost the ability to run. Our number, 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When it comes to athletes, sooner is, is better than, than later. And retiring a year too soon, I, I think, it is much better than staying a year too long. And that's the battle that these teams always have, especially with aging athletes. It's how far do you go? And I think it's also something that kind of informs this Aaron Rodgers thing. He's playing at a high level right now, but he's 37, going to be 38. There's not too many quarterbacks that are playing, Tom Brady notwithstanding, at a high level at that age. 855-616-1620. All right, would you like to see athletes go sooner rather than later? My answer is yeah.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Would the Angels have been better if they traded Albert Poolholz four years ago? Absolutely. And and I guess, look, I, I, I understand that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for example, had an MVP season. I, I I get all that, but he's 37, he's going to be 38 years old. And what, what happens is the athletic ability this think back on all these ball players it, it it can leave you right away and there's not that many 37 38 year old quarterbacks that, that are out there performing at a at a high level. I understand Tom Brady but but think about the whole quarterback universe and so my only point is if you've got a disgruntled player who's you know pushing the envelope on on the you know how how long you're going to be able to play and they're disgruntled, maybe it's in the best interest of the organization to say, okay, we're, we're going to take everything we can get and then, you know, let him be somebody else's problem. Jeff, Johnny United stayed too long. He did. I was a huge Johnny United fan. I grew up and I watched in the Colts when I was in Baltimore. Willie Mays, too. Um, Jim Brown retired after an NBA season and MVP season. Barry Sanders of the Lions retired early, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Willie Mays, it was difficult to watch one of the greatest players of all time just try to kind of hang on there and and he was essentially throwing the ball underhand um, for a while. Um, Jeff, I think many players stay way too long in professional sports. Why not retire with grace and continue to contribute to the sport by announcing or getting involved and in sponsoring? Now, look, and I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is, is washed up, not by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, there's sort of a shelf life. And I do think it is fair to say that when players lose it, they tend to lose it very quickly. OK, Michael Jordan was was a great just an, an absolutely great player. All right, was he better off would he have been better off staying retired after he retired from the Chicago Bulls or coming back and playing a year or two for the Washington Wizards where he was he was a shell of his former self. Um, let's see. Um Jeff, Aaron Rodgers is not in the category you're referencing. He just won the MVP, MVP. If this year there was a significant drop-off, then yes. However, based on how he's playing currently, I would take him until the age of 40. Well, but you, you know, the thing is, if he's disgruntled, and once there is a drop-off, well, you're, you're not going to be able to get the value of that. And I think that's the problem. Jeff, as great as Brett Favre was, I think he should have hung it up a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, that's... I I mean, kind of remember that like that last season, not the first season with Vikings, but the second season. Um, No, Jeff, I remember Bando, Bando, Sal Bando saying Paul Molitor, he's just a designated hitter. Jeff, I always felt John Elway said it best when he stated it's better for you to make the decision that you're done than to have the decision made for you. And that's why, um, you know, I I guess I I look at the story about Albert Pujols, who is a great, great player. And, you know, he, he's going to try to hang on. And like I say, some team's going to pick him up. I mean, some team's going to pick him up. And, you know, the, California will end up paying the balance of his salary this year because they'll pick him up, you know, after he's an ultimate free agent. And, and they'll get him on the cheap. But, but still... He's not going to be the Albert Pujols that you you know you saw ten years ago, and I just again I think that kind of informs some of the stuff maybe with Aaron Rodgers if he's disgruntled and you're aging and you say okay we we can get what's what are we going to be able to get maybe another year maybe two maybe three or four maybe he's going to turn out to be Tom Brady but you know he could turn out to be I don't know so many of those other quarterbacks. When we come back, our tribute to moms. Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I have seen the future, and the future looks like all of us becoming a nation of sheep. Now, yesterday, when I was gone... The Summerfest announced its lineup. Now, Summerfest this year is going to be in September over three separate weekends and a couple other special dates. It it, it actually looks like a kick-butt lineup, and there's more dates to be announced. But but here's what what got my attention. (sighs) All right, now, Summerfest is not until September. So right now we're in the beginning of May. Follow me on this. May to June, June to July, July to August, August to September. We are four months away. Let me quote from the story on Channel 12. Masks will be enforced at Summerfest, according to the health department. Milwaukee Health Commissioner Kirsten Johnson said Thursday, masks will be worn and enforced at Summerfest. Did I mention Summerfest isn't for another four months? We are, quote, we are making sure that masks are going to be worn and enforced, Milwaukee Health Department Commissioner Kirsten Johnson said Thursday. We are asking for physical distancing in some settings, recognizing that it's an outdoor setting, which makes it safer by the nature of it being outdoors. So this is this is where the city of Milwaukee is right now that I I, I swear if if Tom Barrett and the, the health commissioner, Kirsten Johnson who was in Ozaki County now has kind of like failed upward into the city of Milwaukee. If they get their ways, you're gonna be wearing masks forever. I mean it, it's four months from now at an outdoor setting And I guess they can always change their mind. But right now it's plan on wearing masks, not, hey, we're going to figure out what's going on. We're going to see where we are in four months, but it's going to be outdoors. You're going to have to wear your masks. And now, as I have been arguing, I I wasn't anti mask in the beginning of this. But now, candidly, I'm of the position that once you get vaccinated and the odds are, almost slim to none that you can be reinfected i understand they're not none but slim to none the idea of making people wear masks in an indoor setting I think is very questionable. But the idea of making people wear masks in an outdoor setting is absolutely absurd. And you're already seeing that. I mean, look at the look at the when you see baseball games and stuff and the people sitting in the stands. I know they've got masks, but nobody wears them or at least half the people don't wear them because they recognize that once you've been vaccinated, if you're following the science, there's no real reason for this. But Milwaukee health officials already saying masks will be required at Summerfest scheduled four months from now. And as I've tweeted out, it seems like Milwaukee public health officials, if they get their way, we will be wearing masks forever. That, I think, is what we are looking at right now. We will be wearing them forever. And first, I sent that out as a twi- on Twitter. You can follow me at, at JeffWagner620. First response I get is interesting. How is it a bad idea, Jeff? That would be wearing masks forever. Flu cases are down. Colds are nearly nonexistent. Masks should be socially acceptable everywhere now. It just makes sense. There are people out there like this. And I, I mean, I respect that position. It, and I've, as I have said, I believe moving forward, you're going to probably have maybe one in 10, two in 10 people who are going to make the decision that they're always going to wear masks. And that that's fine. That's a personal decision that they make. But there is a subset of people out there who think that we should not have that freedom anymore, that government should tell us and mandate that we wear masks forever because... Well, colds are down, flu are down. There, there's all sorts of things. Maybe that's the subject of another topic someday. But the idea is we, we should have the government wear, tell us to wear a mask. Now, if you want to wear a mask, I say go with God. That That's fine. But the reason we have these health requirements out there is because, you know, we made this determination that before we had a vaccine, that this that COVID was spreading and things of the like. Now that we have the vaccine and people are making the choice to either get it or take the risk, I, I think the justification for the mask mandates has gone through. It's just completely disappeared. The idea of wearing a mask outside was always, in my opinion, an overreaction, going back to all the demonstrations that you saw last summer that never turned into a super spreader event. But now in the city of Milwaukee, they're already saying, well, okay, as it stands right now in September, be prepared to wear masks. And like I say, this is. This is the future. I have seen it. If public health officials and some leg- and some politicians get their way, it, it, you're going to you are going to be mandated to wear masks forever, regardless of what the science says. Really, so just be prepared. Summerfest. Wearing masks in September, and we don't know what things are going to look like in September. And the question is, why in an outdoor setting? What would be the justification for it? And doesn't matter if there's justification or not. doesn't matter if the science supports it or not. That's what the idea is. Now, will that stop me from going? No. How do you wander around Summerfest and drink beer and eat stuff with the mask requirement? Is it even enforceable? The reality is probably not. But the health department apparently... They're they're going to have you in masks in Milwaukee, at least certainly through the fall, and probably forever if they get their ways. You can follow this this tweet, and you can see it. Uh, you can follow me at, at Jeff Wagner six
0: twenty. Okay, when we come back, a Mother's Day tribute. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay,
1: a lot of people want to discuss the summer, the, the, and it's not Summerfest, it's the city of Milwaukee saying, even four months from now, if you want to have an outdoor event, you've got to wear masks. Right, okay, where, where is the science of that? And look, it's, it's just it's the insanity that goes with the city of Milwaukee. But I, I want to do something bef- bef- instead of talking about that. Maybe we'll revisit Monday. Um, on Sunday, it's Mother's Day. And I, I wanted to devote one segment of the program to Mom's Day tributes. My, I lost my mom um, 11 years ago. And uh, my mom, I, every little boy loves their mom. My mom was a great lady. I, I'm always, I am, I'm always touched when I'm out in public um, and I run into people who will come up and they'll say, I knew your mom. And um, if, to know my mom is to love her. And any good qualities I had, I got from my my mother. The bad qualities, I'm not sure where they exactly came from, but, but there, there's no question. I just adored my mom. She passed away at the age of, of 80. And there's not a day goes by that I do not, I do not miss her. And she just touched a lot of people's lives. And it's one of those deals where I, I would trade anything to be able to to have a conversation with my mom. And I, I think back, and I think I was a decent son. I think she would have told you that, and she was kind of proud of me. But I, I, there were always maybe these opportunities that we had to reach out, or I can think of the occasional fight that we had and stuff. And I, I, I regret it. I, I just, I just do because I, I wish she was, I wish she was still around our number 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line all right sunday is mother's day i wanted to vote just one segment of the program to to give you an opportunity for a mom's day shout out and and maybe maybe your mom is still with us maybe your mom has, has passed away but my guess is um my guess is your mom probably touched your life like my mom touched mine and you're if you've lost your mom like i have chances are again you're in a situation where there's not a day goes by that you don't miss her. But, okay, Mom's Day shout-outs, one segment of the program, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line back to uh, give you the chance to recognize that special mom in your life.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) 855-616-1620.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Sunday is Mother's Day. We're going to devote one segment of the program. If you want to do a Mom's Day shout-out, um, it, it is one, one of the things that I, I always talk about is that you life is short. And for, for folks who are still blessed enough to have their folks with them, you you want to you want to treasure that because trust me when you reach that certain point and 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 it happens all the time i mean it's just the nature of life that you know when when you lose your mom or you lose your dad it's it, you 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 look back and you say boy I, I wish i would have done this or i wish i would have done that um or or whatever so um you know treasure that time mom's day shout outs 855 um, 616 let's start with uh, ben in south Milwaukee. ben you're on wtmj
2: Hey Jeff. Hi Ben. This is Ben. I just want to make a big shout out to my wife Amanda Auer, and my mom Deborah Auer. They've been great. They do so much for the family, and um, I'm really cherished and lucky to have them.
1: Yeah, it's um, it not that true, right? Because it's right. It, the moms raise us, and then the moms raise the kids. And if it, if it were up to the dads and the guys, we'd we'd be in a world of hurt.
2: You got it. You got it, they had so much. Uh, I'd be lost
1: without him. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, my mom died two years ago. I was absolutely devastated. Couldn't believe it. She would do anything for me. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. That is from Doug. Um Carolyn Kewaskum writes, Jeff, my mom passed away unexpectedly six years ago at, at a at a young age, um, at the young age of 69, I talk to her every day. I know she sees her four-month-old grandson and is proud. She guides my daughter to me and is a good mom. My mom was an amazing cook. Somehow my daughter picked up those skills more than me. Yeah, I, the, the idea that you – I talk to mom every day. I know I, – and I, I, I understand that. I think i I do sometimes – I do sometimes as well. Joshua says, "Happy Mother's Day to Barbara of um, uh, of War Troy." Uh, took my sister and I into their foster home when I was three years old, and I truly believe saved our lives. We lived with them in foster care for ten years. I'm 37 years old now. I still communicate with her and love her and my mother. Jeff, um, I'm the 13th child. My mother was a great great example Olivia says I want to wish one of the best mother's day in the world happy Mother's Day to Martha Martinez that is from Olivia um yeah Jeff um, let's see um, my mom died a couple of years ago uh, another one of those stories you, you, you hear that you know you again you you hear that a lot we tend to take you know some of these things for granted and then you you find out a lot of the different sacrifices that the that the mom's End up making, and then you, boy. I, then I'm, I'm, I'm always finding out about. Hey, I was saying, I, I run into who people who who knew my mom. My mom was, um, she worked outside the home, and she was the. The manager, the office manager for for a dentist in the in the North Shore, and in in that capacity, she she just got to know all these different people. And I will be out and about, and I'll, I'll run into all these people who say, "Well, I, I I knew your mom. I knew Anne. Her name was Anne with an E." And she said, I I knew Anne, and then she'll tell me all these different stories that I. I just wasn't aware of, or you know, people will come up and say, "Well, I worked at this dentist thing, and, and your mom was like a, a second mom to me." And you know, when we'd, we'd have problems with our parents, we'd go in and we consult with, uh, you know, we'd, we'd talk to your mom and you talk through things like that. And I thought, oh. You know, that's that's cool. Jeff, my mom, Mary Lou, made matching dresses for her grandkids um, and their dolls. <laughs> now that's, that's one of the kind of great memories that you have. Jeff, my mom left us when I was 11. I still have people come up to me and say that they remember her. Um, she was the very best. Jeff, my mom died in 1998 at the age of 49. She never met her five grandchildren who have a definite hole in their lives um, without her. Um, yeah. Jeff, I lost my mom 10 years ago and my last semester of college. That year, my graduation ceremony was on Mother's Day. My classmates were a great support that day, but boy, it was tough. Since then, I've met the love of my life. We started a business and have a perfect little two-year-old girl. Love her always and miss her dearly. Um, Yes, Jeff, I'm picking up my mom right now to go to the Milwaukee Auto Show. I love her. She's awesome. I can't imagine life without her. Jeff, I lost my mom in 1980. I was only 24. Huh. You know, that would be tough. My mom, let's see, I was probably... I, I was in my early 50s when when my mom passed, um, but I just I, you know it just it kind of kills me because I didn't have kids myself. But my you know my niece and nephew, my brother's kids. I you mean know, you know my my niece grew up knowing knowing my mom, but but. You know, my my nephew, Alex, he just, I mean, he he was like three or four when mom passed. And I just, I just, it's just too darn bad. I left my, I lost my mom in 1980. I was only 24. I miss her every day. She was a great mom in her short life. I know she was watching over me on my wedding day in 2003. Jill says, thanks for the show. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for participating. Ken uh, Canon Hartland says, my mom passed away in January of 2020. She gave her whole to myself and my brother. She was the best thing ever in our lives i I remember and this is something my late wife said to me it was the, the day my mom passed away on a Friday, and um you know we had we, we had been with her when she passed away and stuff and I can remember sitting in uh, in the driveway of our house and i I was just i just said you know that the thing about you know your, your mom's are they're they're one of the very few people if you're fortunate enough in your life to have somebody that loves you unconditionally. Maybe your your spouse, you know, maybe your your kids, maybe your dog, but there's not that many people that just absolutely love you unconditionally. I've been fortunate to have a couple people in my life like that. And and I said, "I just, you know, she loves you unconditionally." And I remember now my late wife Sue looked at me and said, "Well, why do you think that stopped? She still does." And um I always thought, you know, that, that's right. She, she's just, she just nailed it. So bottom line is mom's day is always kind of a tough day for me. I'm sure it's a, it's a tough day for some people who've lost their, their, their parents or lost their mother. But if, if your mom's with you, whatever you're going to do, my advice is, you know, cherish your mother, cherish the time together. And to all the moms out there, um, have a very, very happy mother's day. All right. When we come back, we'll find out what John has on his mind. Please stick around.